0: 20 years old i found out i was pregnant those two pink lines devastated me i knew i could survive the adventure of parenthood but i didn't have a roadmap to help me thrive welcome to the two pink lines podcast a podcast addressing the questions of unplanned pregnancy i want to share stories of women and men who've embraced the unplanned and found out that they can still hope dream and become a parent Hi, I'm your host Cheyenne Erickson. Join me as we embrace the unplanned. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. We have a heart-wrenching conversation today about unplanned pregnancies when you are an asylum seeker. And so the way this all started was back like two, three months ago in December, Um, I listened to a podcast by the Archibald Project that featured Alma Ruth, the founder of the ministry Practice Mercy, which is a humanitarian organization that's bringing basic necessities and hope to asylum seekers along the Mexican border. And so when I was listening to Alma Ruth talk, I realized that many of these pregnant women at the refugee camp, didn't intend on being pregnant, um, and some of the pregnancies were conceived through rape, and so there are no resources for these women. They're living in tents on air mattresses, and that just broke my heart. So Alma Ruth is here today to tell us about their stories and her own, because she's a single mom of two special needs boys who experienced unplanned pregnancy. So this is a very um, heart-wrenching, heart-touching episode, Um, but I think it's good for us to step out and realize what other people are experiencing. And um, I know that my empathy has just grown, and I hope to do more to help people who are trying to... Um, gain refuge in the United States. Just kind of a note, this episode was recorded the week of the big freeze in Texas, so when we talk about all that, that's why um, Alma-Ruth still didn't have water and things like that. Um, So yeah, this is just a really great episode. I hope you enjoy it, and here's my conversation with Alma-Ruth. Hey Alma-Ruth! Welcome to Two Pink Lines Pod! Hi, guys. Good to be here with you guys. I heard your story through another podcast that I follow called The Archibald Project. And um, hearing what you do and the stories you were telling, I was like, I have got to share what you're doing with my listeners. And because I know it directly impacts moms and ladies that you're working with. So um, just tell us who you are and what
1: you're doing. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'll be I'll be honored to, to do that. Uh, my name is Alma Ruth and I am a recent immigrant from northern Mexico. And also I am what is called a cross-cultural missionary. Um, I'm a faith based humanitarian and I am based out of the southern border in a region that is called the Rio Grande Valley. And, uh, and here, uh, the Lord has guided us to uh, make a difference in a very, very unique way. Uh, we um, serve and in a grassroots initiative that is faith-based and is relational uh, called Practice Mercy Foundation. It is a brand new nonprofit in in which we focus on women and children who are in extremely dire circumstances, who are fleeing horrific, horrific threats, not only for them, but for their children. And so we started serving at the Matamoros Refugee Camp in December of 2019. So even though I I am what is called um, a senior missionary, Um, our nonprofit is brand new, is barely a year old and is, uh, the organization that we are serving through because you've served all over the world, right? Yes. I am going to date myself. (laughs) We cannot repeat this information outside this podcast because people are going to guess my age. I I graduated from uh an Assemblies of God Bible College in Northern Mexico, Monterey, my hometown in 1988. And then I did my missionary training with Youth with a Mission in Northern Wisconsin. So that was very cross cultural. Uh in 1990. So uh, I have served um I served in Cuba. Um in the 90s. And then we, uh, with my former colleague and I, we trained young seminary students from Mexico to serve in um, challenging parts of the world. Uh, We took a bus to Honduras. So we are very familiar with um, the complex understanding of Central America. So I lived there for two summers And and so that really gives me a better glimpse of the circumstances that we are um, currently facing at the southern border. We also took a team to serve um, in um, Slovakia, Czech Republic, North India, West Bank, and Turkey. All of these are Mexican seminary students. So I am familiar with serving in a global context. And that really helps to serve these beautiful women and children here in, in our own borders. And on top of all that, you're a mom. Yes, ma'am. And they both were huge surprises. I was diagnosed with severe uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And we were informed that we were not able to have children. And after a high risk mission trip to the Middle East, the Lord surprised us with our first boy. And that in itself changed everything for us. Uh, and then God surprised us again with our second boy. With the second boy, it was we we were giving the option, is what they call it, uh, up in the Midwest in Nebraska. To terminate pregnancy because um, for my age and the testings that they were taking, uh, he they were certain that he was Down syndrome, mm. and so they gave us the option to terminate pregnancy. And it was it was a very painful experience, and we pray about it. And and you know, of course, it was never an option to terminate pregnancy, but I needed to see what. Um, Equipping I needed to do in order to help my son and to serve my son if he was Down syndrome, so we uh, decided to go to the amniocentesis um, test, mm-hmm. amniocentesis test, and um, even though it was it was risky, but for me it was very important so I could get equipped because I knew that we would not live in the states uh-huh. as as missionaries. And, uh, and then at the end, at the end of the, of the process, they said, well, congratulations. It is a very, it's a healthy baby boy. What can you imagine if we would have terminated pregnancy and how many times that happens in the United States or in the Western world. And one of my best friends here at the border, I am based out of McAllen and she is, uh, the mom of a Down syndrome boy. And because there was nothing here in this part of the border that would support Down Syndrome families, she started the Rio Grande Valley Down Syndrome Association. And that has changed the lives of hundreds of families and children who had no support prior to that, had no uh, understanding of what the challenges that could be. And, and so that really, that really opened my heart for an empathy uh, for families, for special needs children. And in this case, my two boys are special needs. Um, my older boy, he's 14 and he is on the autistic spectrum. And my second boy is clinically ADHD. So, you know, that that experience in the beginning of my second pregnancy, it really, really opened, opened the heart that I will uh, develop for um, families with special needs children, because I have two of my own mm-hmm. in different areas, but special needs nonetheless. And um, also with um, surprising pregnancies.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm finding out that there are so many resources available, but they're not up front. It's not what the doctor tells you when you get the test. It's like, um, so it's scary. Exactly. And it's something you mm-hmm. have to navigate on your own. And that makes it even harder. Um, so if anyone's going through that right now, I have resources and connections for you. And obviously Alma Ruth has someone in Texas. So, um, there are resources out there. Um, you are so brave to live where you live and do what you do. Um, so tell me what it looks like for you to go over the border every week and what you do when you get to the refugee camp.
1: Yeah, you know, I for at least a couple of years, I, I have been praying to participate and to do something about the border crisis that we were experiencing. But since I am a recent immigrant myself, it wasn't safe for me to just completely be immersed in that. Uh, now I am a permanent resident and I'm able to make a difference for these people. And because being an immigrant myself and surviving uh, a sudden, abrupt, um, huge tragedy in our family that gave us an understanding of children's separation and uh, and the difficulties, we knew about it, but to leave them and to experience it and to be in the dark place of not knowing what's going to happen to you and not knowing what's going to happen to your children really opened my heart to make a difference for them. I wanted to share this study. Uh, one of my friends was praying, you know, she started to have uh, labor pains at the camp, and it was in the summer. And she had an air mattress, you know, and I got her another air mattress. Well, she started to have uh, labor pains, And it was an unexpected baby, of course, Mm -hmm. at the camp. Nobody wants to, oh, I'm going to get pregnant so I can have a pregnancy at the refugee camp. And uh, she was with her husband. They were from Guatemala. So she crossed the Rio Grande River on the air mattress. (gasps) And the baby was coming when the Border Patrol got them. And then she was saying, you know, my baby is coming. Lady, be quiet. The baby is coming. Oh, we're doing the process. Just stop interrupting. The baby is coming. Well, the baby came. She had the baby at the Border Patrol Station right there. Boom. Who's going to catch this baby? And that's just one of the stories that I can tell you that I I know the girl. I met the baby. I pray for both of them. God saved their lives from drowning Mm. and God saved the life of the girl or the baby of the baby girl that was born right at the patrol station in Brownsville, Texas. Wow. Wow. Uh, Sadly, we have uh, thousands upon thousands of women and children who are seeking an opportunity to live Without danger, uh, what's happening is that the organized crime in Central America is not only threatening the women, but now is reaching out to the children. Like people from El Salvador had to pull their children out of school. So the organized crime in Central America, in this case in El Salvador, doesn't recruit their daughters or, or boys or their sons for for crime, mm-hmm. you know, for organized crime. They start recruiting children in school. Uh, nine in school, uh, nine years old, you know, so they're not safe. You know, so they can move around all they want, but they're tiny countries in Central America. So they cannot go they cannot keep moving and up uprooting their children. And so that is the common common denominator in, in the stories that you hear about uh women fleeing violence. And as I mentioned, I am our ministry, our nonprofit, our faith-based nonprofit is f- completely focused on indigenous, pregnant, and Central American women who are fleeing extreme dangers with their children. So uh, we are on the field. We are boots on the ground. We are bilingual. We are bicultural. We have a deep understanding. The people that work with us have experience of living in Central America and, and knowing the complex problematic that this situation presents to these human beings. And uh, like I mentioned, I've been serving directly with migrants, with asylum seekers. An asylum seeker is a person who is seeking refuge, is a refugee, is the prior uh, process to becoming a refugee. You are, you know, you are on your way to being protected. You know, once you are officially uh, in immigration terms, determined to be a refugee you're protected but an asylum seeker is someone who is seeking refuge and and so it's a, it's an immigration term and uh, so we have a lot of those here uh, currently and uh, so it is uh, a full a full-time job I'm full, I'm the only one in the in our in our new nonprofit who is full-time we have a board of directors who is fully equipped to support um, this initiative. It is a holistic grassroots initiative that the Lord has um, guided us to, to walk in this in this path, um, to literally be, uh, it's a ministry of presence. We are present with these people. We know their names. We know uh, their children. We pray for them by name and their children. We know their stories. We know their countries, where they're from. Uh, we eat with them we visit with them we pray with them we cry with them we're there for them so it's a very incarnational approach to ministry um as if, if if you are christian evangelical we have this term that oh we have jesus in our heart and you know it's a relationship and not a religion well we should apply that to missions uh you know we uh we understand poverty and the complex Uh, problem that that is. But in this case, these people, it's not about about poverty only. It's about the dangers for their children. Mm. That is the core of the issue for this situation. Uh, We have around, right now, over a thousand people at the Matamoros refugee camp waiting to be processed for asylum in the United States immigration system. And every one of them has been threatened. Every one of them, his children, their children, her children ha- are in danger. And so when someone, they've traveled across
0: countries, they've, you know, risked their lives and now they're waiting, like right now it's freezing in a freezing cold camp. Are they waiting to start that process or what are they hoping for?
1: Yes, we are, we are waiting. Uh, so, During uh, the Trump administration, there were so many changes for immigration, many, many changes. Unfortunately, one of those changes was MPP, Migrant Protection Protocol, the Remain in Mexico policy, which means you refugee people uh, or you asylum seekers who are seeking refuge in the United States can no longer cross our borders and you have to wait in Mexico until we figure out what to do with you. And so they kept them on the, Mexica, on the Mexican side of the border, thousands of them. I think there's around 25,000 people in Mexico waiting to apply for asylum. And, and so they, they waited in Mexico. Unfortunately, and, and the American government knows this very well because of the war on drugs, The Mexican side of the border is extremely dangerous. The levels of dangers for the Homeland Security website, it is level four, which is like Iraq, Syria, Mm. the same level of danger for American citizens. So they sent, the American government sent all these people to some of the most dangerous places on earth, where they've been raped, they've been kidnapped, they've been extorted, they've been. mm, Many, many, many tragedies have happened since that policy came into place. So um, now, uh, with a new administration, things are slowly starting to change. So right now, my friends, and I'm I'm focusing on the camp in Matamoros, on the Mexican side of the the border from Brownsville, Texas. Mm -hmm. So I'm not speaking for the whole border because it's almost 2,000 miles of border. Yeah. (laughs) I know my region, the Texas side of the border at this little corner of the United States, uh, which is similar everywhere. Um, there's a handful of organizations that are actively on the ground. Uh, we are a ministry, which means we are faith-based. Uh, we help them with tangible support, um, diapers, underwear, prenatal vitamins, di- uh, you know, wipes, uh, underwear bras anything that is for human dignity you know but we know the people we help we pray for everyone that receives our help and and we want to keep it that way relational you know yeah. we want to know them we want to uh to eat with them we want to you know uh give a pair of underwear to their, their small children uh and and so it's a tangible it's it's a it's a multifaceted uh, approach because even though it's just a handful of us, we are fully committed to the ways of Jesus, mm-hmm. which is justice and mercy, and uh, and we do this uh, in any way that we can. We are now helping on both sides of the border because many of our people who have um, come across the states, a handful of them, we have connected with faith communities. Who can support them better and we pray that we'll be able to continue doing that and it has been through social media the the way that the lord has connected us um you know i know people in different parts of the united states i mean that's kind of how we got connected social media
0: is wonderful for this
1: uh there's other ministries uh, that uh, are doing amazing job. We are hoping to connect with them, uh, and as soon as possible. And there's one ministry that provides water for them. It's called the Immigration Coalition. They are providing water at the Matamoros camp and in other communities. Well, that was one thing I remember. We talked when we talked before that, um,
0: I told you. One of my greatest sympathies for people who live in third world countries or anything else is when I started breastfeeding my kiddos or when I was pregnant, even I just drank tons and tons of water. And I still do to this day, like it like set a precedent Mm -hmm. for me. And I couldn't imagine being in a situation where
1: I didn't have access to clean water. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, um... That's, that's correct. Um, water is a big, big issue. So we, uh, recommended our friends in the immigration coalition that water was very, very important. And, uh, and also there's a pastor at the, at the camp that provides wood for the people to cook. Mm. So that combination is life-saving literally. Yeah. You know, the same pastor is on the ground, lives in Brownsville, is a church plant in Matamoros. He's bilingual, bicultural, he's Mexican-American. And so he, he helps to set up the water for that community at the refugee camp and other communities and in the Matamoros border side. And, and he also provides wood for the people to cook at the camp because there's no running water and there's no electricity. And there's tons of pregnant women, there's tons of newborns. That represents a big challenge, you know. And and something that is admirable that Gaha's work, a lot of and, and I want to bring this at the front of the narrative for immigration, is that a lot of the refugees, a lot of the asylum seekers that are coming from the from the northern triangle of Central America, which is Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, and Nicaragua are people of faith, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of these women are people of faith, you know, we have six or seven churches inside the camp that are Christian evangelicals, Wow, seven churches at the refugee camp in Matamoros that are Christian evangelicals, and there's one Catholic chapel, And, and so the majority of the people in Central America are conservative Christian evangelicals that not necessarily support abortion. So even though I've met women who've been raped on the way up here by different kind of circumstances, they keep the baby. Mm. And and so that is amazing because, I mean, you are living in a refugee camp and you're keeping the baby that is the product of rape. Yeah. That is amazing. So we yeah. can do whatever they, we can you know, to um, give as much support as possible Um, crossing borders with help is very challenging. Oh, she brings help to Mexico. Well, yes, but it's very complicated. Um, You cross international, I park in Brownsville, and I walk with two huge suitcases across the bridge. I first see Mexican immigration, which is no problem because I'm Mexican, and then you see Mexican customs. Well, Mexican customs charges you for everything you have. You are not authorized to bring anything that doesn't belong to you, or you'll pay huge, huge taxes to come into the country. Mm-hmm. And so we have to take every label off. <coughs> <coughs> I Sorry. <can> only- <laughs> oh, bless you. I have to take every label off. I have to, I, I can only take women's stuff mm-hmm. and maybe some children's stuff. You know, I cannot bring just women. Uh, men's clothes or you know because it is supposed to be mine and it is mine until i give it away i'm not lying this people give me those things for the camp mm-hmm. so you know and, and so it's a it's a very tricky situation um so we take all How the do you do off. that like
0: yes i need these five bottles of prenatal vitamins <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes because i want to make sure in case that we run out and, and so that's, that it's a very tricky thing. You know, we have to pack everything very carefully and then we have to hide the diapers with the clothes. And so we always have to have clothes because I cannot just take in merchandise. And so, yes, it's very, very tricky. And many times, praise the Lord, sometimes we have extra donations. So my boys have to come with me. So, you know, so it's me an adult and two young boys carrying huge suitcases. So like six suitcases that we carry with us. And at least five to 700 pounds of donations. So we need prayer. Yes. (laughs) We need need prayer because uh, they've been really mean lately. Uh, You push a button. It's like a a stop light. If you get the red light, they open your suitcases. They go through every pair of underwear and you have too many things you cannot come into Mexico. You have to go back to the United States. I'm like, I am Mexican. What do you mean? You know, and so you have you get interrogated, you get stopped, they have fined me a hundred dollars every time they stop me, and and that's money that comes out of the ministry, right? And so it's um it's very tricky. Very, very tricky, it's very taxing. And then finally you go through the Mexican military. By the time you go through the Mexican military. You just smile and say, Hi, I made it through Mexican custom, which is toughest to do than to go through the Mexican <laughs> military. And then, but that is just like two meters, mm-hmm. you know, through that process. And my friends from the camp are there waiting for me, you know, with their children. And uh, they bring a cart to help me carry the huge suitcases into the camp because it's gravel.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and so, yeah, it is it is a process. Oh my goodness. I made you tired just to describe that, right? I know, my goodness. <laughs> Could you like
0: walk us through what a day with like a pregnant woman in the camp or like a lady with a young child? Like what what is she doing that's different than like what we do here in the United States?
1: OMG, Cheyenne. Are you for real? Um it's 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 tough. A lot of uh, of our mission uh, for Practice Mercy is to secure air mattresses for pregnant women. They sleep on a tent on the the banks of the Rio Grande River, which is international boundary for the United States and Mexico. So we need to secure that they have an air mattress and that their mattress can hold for them being there with their children mm-hmm. right so for pregnant women usually they sleep with their children so we get them a, a usually a queen-size mattress and so we had had countless air mattresses for our pregnant friends and then she wakes up she needs to figure out where to go potty because it's a refugee camp you don't have running toilets so there's uh, some organizations have provided portable toilets So she needs to walk to find if there's any portable toilet that is available for her to go potty. Mm. And then she has to carry water back to her tent, a bucket of water to her tent so she can start cooking for her children. But first she has to make sure that she has enough wood and find the matches to make sure that she can make a fire. So maybe, hopefully, she can have a few eggs which is protein, and beans, so she's protein, and and have the first the first meal. So it takes hours. By the time she goes potty, she makes sure that she washes a few dishes so she can cook on the wood, on the little oven type of fire that she has to create uh, for her family. And this is just the breakfast. So she has to clean up and make sure that there's enough bucket of water and enough wood to cook the second meal. So sometimes they have to choose: Do I eat the first meal or the second meal? Do I have enough wood? Do I have enough food? I uh, Have to choose between these options. Uh, and they have to do that every single day. Mm. And also they need to figure out where to shower. There's a there's some organizations that set up some showers in the camp. But usually a lot of the women, for safety, they shower in their tents.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I'm, I'm going to
0: go there, but like how on earth do you give birth in a place like this?
1: Well, it's Mexico. So um, there is a, a nonprofit there that is called Global Response Management. They, they have a basic clinic there. But Mexico has, considering that it's an emerging nation, we have a pretty good option for medical care. Uh, You have the public health care. You have the Green Cross. You have the Red Cross. You have the public hospitals. Okay, so they
0: have places to go. They're not like giving birth in their tents on their air mattress.
1: Exactly. You know, uh, it's not in the boonies in Africa. And so it's in a city. The refugee camp is in the city of Matamoros. It's a small border town that has access to hospitals. And so if, if she starts going on labor, uh, they contact different organizations so they can send them to a Mexican public hospital. And then okay. once she has the baby, she's sent back to the camp with her newborn the next day. Mm to care for a newborn at the camp on an air mattress without running water, without electricity, the next day. Ah, uh, that, That's different than us, right? And also, one of my friends who is indigenous Mayan woman from the highlands of Guatemala, she started with contractions, but the baby came so fast that she gave birth at the entrance of the camp in Matamoros. Wow. Right in the dirt. The baby came so fast, she was just able to move from the gravel road to the dirt. And the baby came out. Oh. Thanks be to God, she was taken to the hospital. The baby was reviewed by Mexican doctors, and she's okay. Oh, wow. Um, but you can, I can send you the links for that. She was um, on the newspaper in Europe. Um, about that giving birth. Um, at the at the Matamoros camp. Oh, I.
0: So I like questions can't even come to my mind just contemplating that. Um, it that's so much and it's very heavy. So, you come there and you talk with them and you pray with them. Um, how are you able to give them hope because? Honestly, living in a place where like you mentioned on another podcast, like rats running around and stuff like that. Like, I can't imagine being in a place like that and
1: having hope or joy. And uh, remember that for me, uh, one of my missions is to bring the faith, refugees faith to the front of the immigration narrative. The majority of these women are women of faith and it's faith that sustains them there's no way that just in your humanity you can live with your newborn you can live with your pregnancy you can live with your toddler surrounded by rats coral snakes rattlesnakes hurricanes freezing rain uh 20 degree weather if you don't have faith the majority of these women that i'm talking to you about are from Central America, and they are Christians or Catholics. And they call upon God for mercy, for patience, for strength, for refuge. Mm-hmm. That makes a world of difference. There has been no suicides at the camp. Oh, wow. But there has been multiple prayer meetings. They pray all night long during the night of elections. They prayed during Tropical Storm Hanna not to overflow the the banks of the Rio Grande River and they will drown. They prayed for uh, protection from COVID, and it has not been one confirmed case of COVID nineteen at the Matamoros refugee camp. Wow, not one. And how do you explain that if the hospitals in McAllen are full because of co- of the pandemic? Mm-hmm. And and so for me, I am sharing with you what I see, what I've been seeing since Christmas of 2019. And it's not just one time. Yeah. You know, when it rains, I have to go at least twice in the week to make sure they're okay. To bring vitamins, to bring prenatal vitamins, diapers, wipes. Like we had... Uh, snow in Texas I think you guys heard about it we lost electricity, we lost water we they, we ran out of gas we ran out of water I'm almost out of water in my house I have not been able to go around in the water distribution center and find water we were without running water in my place uh, for almost two days uh, some of my friends have been without electricity for five days in southern Texas mm. We face temperatures of twenty degrees, twenty-two degrees, and that's cold. Yeah, that's cold. we're not used to those to those kind of temperatures. Well, we, it's cold for those we, of us who do experience those temperatures. And and you know, and these people wear on tents, simple camping tents on an air mattress without running water, without electricity, and their bucket water, all the water in their buckets froze solid. Yeah. It's a miracle. It's the hand of God that those children and those babies didn't die of hypothermia. Mm -hmm. We have 25 people who died in Texas during this storm. So, uh, you know, faith has a lot to do with the situation here, Cheyenne. And I want to emphasize that. That is, uh, there's no human logic and there's no human explanation of God's protection upon these people. Wow. There's no explanation. We were there on Friday for a prayer meeting, for mercy, calling upon God for mercy, and to thank them for his protection. You could see on my Instagram, Practice Mercy, pictures of these people, refugees, on the ground, kneeling down, thanking God for his protection. It takes a lot of, uh, for us complaining people in the West, you know, that we think we're persecuted for our faith, Uh, It's not, it's not, you know, and I think, you know, um, persecution and um, lack of purifies our faith. These people have nothing Mm. and they cling upon God for his mercy and and they cling to their faith for support and energy to keep going. So that should speak louder than any immigration process that they can go through. Wow. So after hearing all of this, um, what can
0: we do to help you? What can we do to help you as, I mean, I know you can't take a lot, um, but there's got to be something.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you for asking. Um, as a recent immigrant, we, I need help, right? Um, I have two young children. It's only the three of us. We are one parent family due to safety concerns and mental health issues. Uh, So I have the full custody for my boys in Texas. And so we are seeking, first of all, I will always ask you for prayer. Because prayer can give us protection. Prayer can give us um, the strength to keep going. And prayer will give us the favor of God to request support. Uh, We need monthly sponsors that can help us to keep going and to keep tennis on the ground and boots on the ground for these beautiful people that we can be reachable. We are in constant contact with um, key people at the camp that keep us informed of emergencies or urgent needs or if I need to go earlier, and things like that. So we are seeking for monthly support. We are not even halfway of our monthly missionary budget that we need to be sustainable. And uh, also, of course, we need uh, funding for basic help um, for these beautiful people. Now we are transitioning to a different kind of needs. So we are uh we want to do our fundraisings for airfare for bus tickets for prepaid phones so they can start in contact with their loved ones for backpacks for tennis shoes that they can travel for jackets that they can travel with a lot of these people don't know what kind of weather they're gonna face you ask them it's like, oh i have my sister or my uncle or in new jersey in minnesota in chicago they have no clue the winter that they're going to be facing. Yeah. They come from tropical, warm climates. Yeah. And so, um, so funding is always, always um, a need for nonprofits, correct? And so first, I will ask for your prayers that can save our lives, literally, as we put our lives on the line every week. Secondly, monthly sponsors. If you would like to donate your Frappuccino, uh, to our ministry, to our nonprofit, we would deeply appreciate it. If you can support us with $5 a month, $10 a month, that can make a difference for us. And we will be very, very grateful if you can help us with that. Well, thank you again, Alma Ruth, for sharing
0: with us. And um, yeah, it's been great having you on the show.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And if you guys want to find us, we are on Instagram, uh, Practice Mercy. And we are on Facebook. We have a, a, a Facebook page, Practice Mercy. You can find us as well. Thank you, Chuyen. Hawks from the border. God bless you guys. Come and see us. You can come and see us, and I'll I'll show you the border. We can keep you on the American side of the border to be safe.
0: <laughs> guys, meeting Alma Ruth has kind of changed me. Um, it. Has definitely awakened a passion for um, asylum seekers and refugees that I didn't know I had and even if your opinion on immigration and the policies are different I think we can all agree what these people the conditions these people have been living in are inhumane and the humane thing the loving thing to do is to help them and so if you're interested in supporting Alma Ruth and her work um, go to the show notes I have her Instagram link there and her Facebook and you can donate through Facebook fundraisers she keeps you updated on all the things she's doing and I've felt closer to her work because of her Instagram videos and all that Um, the situation at the border is rapidly changing she now needs support to help people Um, get airfare and bus tickets and winter jackets so they can come to colder cities in the United States. And so she really does need your support. If her story and if this podcast touched you at all, I would really appreciate you following me also on Two Pink Lines Pod at Instagram or Facebook. And if you could leave a review or rate the show, that really helps because it gets this show out to other people. And so um, I just am really blessed that I was able to share these stories with you guys. And I am excited to bring you another story next time.